You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for our Forces of Destiny recap. I'm your host, Cassie Sketch. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 14 of Forces of Destiny, titled An Imperial Feast. I kind of took a little bit of an unexpected break last week. Uh, I I live in the States, and I... Uh, I think I underestimated just how it was not quite possible to uh, record a podcast while my family was visiting, and so uh, I did not have a chance uh, in the last, you know, four or five days to sit down and record my episode, and I also, um, after that was kind of a thing, I was looking for news, and then I got into a whole cycle of I couldn't find any news to talk about. There was no real news this week, and we're really not going to have news this week, and I'll go ahead and say that, but I got into this cycle of there was no news, so then I was like, well, maybe if I wait another day, um, I'm already so late, maybe if I wait another day, there'll be some news for me to talk about, and then finally, it's just I needed to get in here and talk and I feel like I'm apologizing every other week here so I'm sorry again I'm still trying to kind of figure things out uh hope everybody understands but uh so we don't have a lot of news this week and I think that's because it was a holiday week at least here in the U.S. Happy late Thanksgiving to those of you who do live in the U.S., uh, which I think is most of us. Yeah, so we didn't have a whole ton of news. There was a lot of rumors, which I saw while I was kind of going through the news a little bit, but there wasn't a whole ton of actual, you know, official news, uh, which is kind of what we've had the last couple weeks, aside from, I think it was last week, where we had our Mandalorian announcement and our uh, Cassie and Andor announcement. But now, again, we're back to that lull because they can't give, like, these big uh, announcements every single week. Like we've been talking about here a lot and like uh, Bob Iger did say a couple weeks ago uh, that we are kind of trying to slow down with 
the output of Star Wars media, which honestly I'm not seeing that much of a slowdown just based off of all these new shows being planned, current shows, and, you know, all these things going on. It doesn't really feel like a whole ton of a slowdown. Maybe uh, we could consider it a movie slowdown. They're slowing down on the movies, but definitely not when it comes to television, uh, which I don't mind. I have no problem with, but we also just don't have that much to talk about. The only real news I have is that John Williams is going to be doing the score for uh, Galaxy's Edge Disney Park, which was one of those things again, and I, and I have a lot of these moments where I wasn't thinking about it. I, it's just not something I thought about. Just it's a cool thing that he's doing, and it's a cool thing that we're going to have, and it's going to add a little bit more to the parks, and hopefully we will get you know, some music that's different than what we've gotten in the movies. So it's not just, you know, they're playing a soundtrack, which is not always the best. It'll work, you know, that type of thing works. But I think for the parks to have their own score and kind of their own music is going to be like a special thing. And I think that'll be really cool. So, you know, they aren't just playing the typical four songs that are the most popular in Star Wars. Um, but they have something that's unique to the parks and it's special that John Williams is doing that and I think it'll add Hopefully they're not going to just stay with the typical Star Wars, you know, obviously we'll get those I don't know much about music, but we'll get the you know little hints of things and you know Of course we will be hearing the regular, you know, Star Wars music what we're used to but uh, I think that he'll be able to kind of make it a little bit unique for the parks, which will be really, really special. And so that's really cool to uh, think about and that that's kind of happening. And again, wasn't really something I had thought about, but now that that's kind of been something that has been announced and talked about, it's definitely something that it's such a little thing, but it's like, it's so cool and it makes me so excited. It's, it's one of those little things that's really, really cool. Um, and you know, that's all we really had in the vein of news. Again, there was, there was a lot of, uh, rumors about the Kenobi movie. I don't even know. There was so many rumors going on about everything. And I think that just is attributed to the fact that we haven't had any news. And I think that's something that kind of happens when we don't have news is that we have a lot more rumors going around because we've got to talk about Star Wars in some way. But we need something to talk about and if they don't, if, if, you know, any official news sources don't give us anything, we've got to make our own news. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of rumors, nothing like concrete. I know that they're adding Obi-Wan to Battlefront, but I'm not going to talk about that really um, because I am not a huge video game person. Shocker. <laughs> I did play uh, the campaign of Battlefront. And that's about as far as I go playing uh, video games only is I'll play the campaign of a game. Uh, so anything else along the battlefront lines, unless it's a new addition to the story mode, it's not really something I pay attention to. Um, but I know a lot of people are excited about Obi-Wan being added into uh, the game. And it's actually kind of surprising that he hasn't been yet. Um, I think maybe he has, but this is the Clone Wars version, and I was looking through 
uh, I don't have them here with me right now, but I was looking through what him being added, his attributes and his uh, catchphrases, and I know hello there was in there as one of his phrases, um, which made me laugh. And another one was, uh, you want to go home and rethink your life? Those are great. So those are really funny. Those are, <laughs> you know, some of our favorite Obi-Wan lines because just all the jokes. <laughs> um, so sorry, not a whole ton of news. I tried. I tried so hard. <laughs> uh, but let's go on and get on to the episode An Imperial Feast. Calculate the jump, Chop. <laughs> My boyfriend, Dewey. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! Hand it over, Ewok. So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. Following the Battle of Endor, the Ewoks are preparing for a feast. They've got gathered various fruits and vegetables, but they've also gathered several captured Imperial stormtroopers to cook for their feast. A gleeful Han Solo and Chewbacca are waiting and decide not to intervene. They are interrupted by a displeased Princess Leia, who chastises them for letting the Ewoks cook the enemy. Han responds that he and Chewbacca have just arrived. When Leia asks if he is going to stop the Ewoks, Han says, Of course and maybe. While Han is unwilling to intervene, Leia tells one of the Ewoks that they must let the Imperials go and treat the enemy fairly. The Ewok responds by striking a stormtrooper with his ladle. Leia stops the Ewok and tells Han and Chewbacca that the Ewoks are clearly hungry. She tells Han and Chewie to go to General Syndulla's camp and obtain a crate of ration sticks to placate the Ewoks and save the stormtroopers' lives. Leia stays behind to keep the stormtroopers safe. A sulky Han reluctantly accedes to Leia's request. Hera's starship Ghost and Sola's Millennium Falcon are parked beside each other in a forest clearing, accompanied by R2-D2 and Chewbacca. Han visits Hera, who is unloading supplies from the ghost. Chopper is also present. Han tells Hera that he needs snacks for the little furballs and explains that they need ration sticks to stop the Ewoks from cooking stormtroopers. Hera agrees to give him the ration sticks, provided if he says that the ghost is a superior ship to the Falcon. Han swallows his pride to placate General Sindula and Leia Organa. Satisfied, General Sindula allows him to take the rations. Chewie helps himself to a ration stick while R2 and Chopper beep at each other. Han slaps the ration stick out of Chewbacca's hand. Back at the Ewok camp, Leia is involved in a tug-of-war with an Ewok, who is trying to roast a stormtrooper alive. Han, Chewie, and R2 arrive just in time with a crate of ration sticks. The Ewoks gratefully accept the ration sticks. Leia is pleased with the outcome and credits General Syndulla for saving the day. When Han asks about his contribution, Leia jokes that nobody believes the ghost is a superior ship to the Falcon. Han is relieved and tells Leia that she doesn't need to tell him that. This episode right here is, for me at least, the most memorable episode of Forces of Destiny. I wouldn't say it's the best, but it 
definitely when I think of Forces of Destiny, this episode sticks out right away to me. And I think it's because we get two characters that we never thought, never crossed my mind that the two of them would interact um, and that they would have some kind of, not history together, but they know each other and they kind of have this rivalry, um, whatever you would call it between Hera and Han. Um, but it was, I never thought about these characters interacting. Um, and I think that it was kind of a shock to me to see them interacting. And it was really, it was so cool. And then it started having me thinking. Um, and, and obviously, Dave Filoni, I believe, had kind of confirmed previous to this that Hera did uh, survive the Battle of Endor. However, I think this is kind of the, this might be the first bit of canon material that places her after the Battle of Endor, which is really uh, one of those things that is another reason why this definitely sticks out to me um, as just like a standout episode of Forces of Destiny because it's giving us that, um, at least. I'm probably wrong, there might be something else that places her afterwards, but this is what I can remember as being, you know, the first place where we know that she is there. Obviously, it's been said in Rebels by now, but this was where it was confirmed. Um, so that's first off. Second off, going back to the first off, just Hera and Han, you know, that relationship there. Not only was I so kind of flabbergasted at the fact that they kind of, they have this little rivalry going on between the two of their, them, or even just the two of their ships, um, I was also just trying to think about, like, well, obviously they know each other here. They've known each other for a while. Because if you, if you really think about, you know, the timeline here, um, there's, there's time between episodes one and episodes two. And I think that's for sure where the two of them met. Um, and I would love to see what kind of brought this, uh, rivalry between the two of them on. Um, and I... It was never something that I thought that I would want to know more about, but I want to know more about Hera and Han's relationship, if you would even call it that. Um, and that, and that's one of the cool things about Forces of Destiny, again, is that I'm thinking about things that I never thought I would think about as far as our characters and what's going on and just story-wise. And now I'm sitting here and I want to know, I want to know more. I want to know where this started. And it was definitely super funny to me. And I am going to go ahead and say, like, I am on the Hera train all the way, that the ghost is superior to the Falcon. Um, and, of course, that may be showing my age a little bit and how I am one of these younger fans. Don't get me wrong. The Falcon's great. We love the Falcon. It's iconic. But... If you went into the Star Wars universe and you looked at those two ships, one is obviously much better than the other. And maybe we see the Ghost as better than the Falcon just because Hera is such an amazing pilot. But I think it's kind of been established, though, throughout Rebels, kind of, that the Ghost is a great ship. So, 100% on the side of the Ghost. Sorry, Han. But I think that doesn't really have... 
the argument here doesn't have as much to do with the fact that he thinks the falcon is better than the ghost. I think it's his ego, and that's why this episode's even more funny, because he is having to swallow uh, that pride a little bit in order to do something better, which we know for Han, his ego, his pride, that's super important to him. And he's he's really stubborn. He doesn't want to admit this, and he wants to believe that his ship is better. And the more he can assert that his ship is awesome, um, the more, you know, and that that's the way his brain has worked throughout, you know, trying to be a smuggler and all this. It's, it's how he got through smuggling, and it's just how his brain you know, is wired, is he just got to make everybody think his ship is really great because that's how he gets paid more. So, of course, kind of that's his go-to, um, comparing his ship to others. Um, and so it takes a lot for him to admit this to Hera or not even admit it because I don't think he is even admitting it to himself, really. But he, um, just for him to say it, it's a lot. And I think it not only speaks to, you know, him trying to do something good um and knowing that there is something better uh and there's a reason he's gotta he's gotta swallow his pride and do this because he's gotta you know save the stormtroopers but it's also uh quite a bit more just about doing something that leia has asked him to do and uh i don't want to be too gushy mushy whatever but that is kind of a thing where she's asked him to do something and he's being expected to do it and he does have feelings for her um so he wants to do good by her and he wants to do what she's asked him to do um and so even though he has to swallow his pride to do it he's going to and that's also kind of a little bit more of he's scared of her um we see it at the beginning of the episode where the Chewie and Han are both kind of snickering and uh watching the Ewoks try to eat the stormtroopers and then Leia comes up behind them and they both kind of jump and get scared um and I was kind of laughing because it was maybe not even you could either see it as you know a mom kind of scaring her kids because they're doing something they shouldn't be doing or you know even sometimes you'll see a spouse kind of getting <laughs> spooked by his girlfriend and you have female in a relationship will kind of take on that mom role and kind of scare uh, the male in a relationship, <laughs> the dude in a relationship. I speak of these things so odd. Why? Um, so there was also kind of, I think he was a little bit scared of her and he didn't want to do something wrong. <laughs> and he knows like the wrath of Leia, uh, if he doesn't do what she asks him to do. So of course he's going to get this done. Um, and there's even a moment here where Hera, you know, he's, he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you that. Um, and Hera starts walking away and she reminds him, she's like, oh, well, tell Leia I said hi. And then he's like, shoot, <laughs> Leia, that's right. I have to do this. And so that was just kind of, that was kind of a moment where it was, that was more of like the lesson that we were getting with this episode, even if it, it wasn't much of a lesson, but it was more of a, uh, sometimes you got to please your woman or you got to please this person. Um, and kind of, even if you don't want to do what you've got to do, you should do it to help somebody, even if maybe you don't want to help somebody, somebody you care about wants to help somebody. And so it was, it was a weird, like, 
workaround for this episode because it's not like Han wanted to help, but he wanted to please Leia who wanted to help somebody. So it was, it was a little bit more less lesson-y, uh, even though you could take it and look as a lesson, um, but it's harder to pick that lesson out exactly. Of course, they are sort of overcoming something in order to help somebody else, but it's it's a little it's a little weird in there just thinking about it like kind of plot wise and motivation wise. So not only do we have Han and Hera's relationship, but we also have Han and Leia's relationship, which was a little bit kind of on the back burner here, but it was, you know, one of those things where it's kind of one of the overarching themes of the episode just because he the only reason he's doing what he's doing is because of her. And it took a lot for him to to say that. And I've I've kind of talked about that. Now I was secretly laughing a little bit here uh, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, just because I was thinking <laughs> to uh, just the people you know. Like you know Star Wars nerds. There's a specific breed of them who uh, anytime you're gonna watch Return of the Jedi or even just talk about an Ewok, you know, there's always one kid who's like, well, you know, the Ewoks eat eight people. They ate stormtroopers. They were gonna eat Han and Luke. Um, and there's always that one kid that will, not even one kid, one kid in my experience, but there's always that one person that will bring that up. And so this episode was like, I don't feel like they've ever really made like a super like definitive like yes, I mean Ewoks are gonna eat people if they can. Um, they've never we've never really gotten like that like completely laid out for us, and then they do that here with Forces of Destiny, and it's not like a terrifying thing. It's kind of like a funny thing, and I think that was a good way for them to work around that, but also, uh. They tried to make it funny, <laughs> and I think that it's like, yeah, for kids who don't, like, think about that right away, and don't think about the fact that stormtroopers are also people, uh, yeah, that could be pretty funny, but I was also sitting there kind of like, uh, that's a little, that's a little morbid for Forces of Destiny, that the Ewoks are gonna eat these people, um, and I guess it would be totally different if, you thought of an Ewok as a person, but they are like a different species. So you could also just think of it as, you could take it out of this context and say, you know, they were creatures trying to eat humans, which, you know, in, in a different story would be totally different. But we're also supposed to kind of think of the Ewoks as, uh, not equals, but but as creatures that like are close to humans. So it was like a little weird and morbid to be watching this here. And I, it was kind of one of my first thoughts with this episode, aside from the, you know, the whole Han and Hera thing, um, is just that that was kind of, thought that was a little odd. Um, I also don't know why they, at, at this point, Leia really would have cared. Um, I guess it's because there's, uh, there's kind of the battles over and there's really no point to be fighting them anymore. Uh, but you do think that they did just destroy the second Death Star. There had to be, I forget what the numbers are, but there were billions on that Death Star, even though it wasn't finished yet. And so the fact that, <laughs> if you really think about it, the fact that 
she's getting really, you know, they, they're really worried about these, you know, five or six stormtroopers. It's a little weird, but the target audience of this is not thinking about that. <laughs> That's just me um, thinking like, oh, you know, you did just kill like way more people than that. But that's not really the point of this episode. And I think everybody knows that. I know that that's not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is, you know, help people. <laughs> and if you don't want to help people, at least, you know, help people if somebody else that you like wants to help people. Which isn't, again, as I said, isn't really a good, like, concise message. But it is one. Uh, obviously, the web for this episode is quite, uh, quite full. It's not... It feels more of like a secondary threat uh, web because we're not getting any real connections between two different things, but we are, you know, placing Hera definitively on Endor, uh, which I love, which is super cool. And now that we have finished Rebels, it leads me to be thinking about where is Jason during the Battle of Endor? Sure, he is on Ryloth or on some kind of base or something. You know, now we get to think about those type of things is what 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 is the what are the children of the rebellion? What do they do during all of this? Because there's got to be more than one rebel who has a kid. So that kind of secondarily because this this episode came out before we found out about Jason but you know now I'm thinking you try to think a little bit about you know what just logistically uh what do families do uh within the rebellion and how does that work out and that's something we've never really had the chance to think about and I imagine that there is you know some type of base that they some some section of base that they have um, for children or maybe, you know, they're the even the rebels are just like, yo, send your kids to your your brother, your cousin, whoever, because uh, they can't be here. And that's something to kind of talk about later. That's not something I have any authority to theorize about, but it was something that had the end of Rebels already come by by the time that this episode, or after this episode came out and then revisiting this episode, it was something that I was thinking about just a little bit. Just a couple more things before we wrap up. With this episode, I really appreciated how very close we were staying to our characters and how they were very much our characters were portrayed how they usually would be portrayed. You know, we have Leia kind of being a little bit of a of a mom and kind of eh, do this. I know it's going to suck. You got to do it. You know, kind of scaring Han and Chewie. Han and Chewie kind of sitting back and being like, and, and laughing and joking around. And, you know, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to stick their head out unless they need to. You know, why would we interfere um, was one of the lines. And that made me laugh because that's such a Han line is like why would I do anything like they're doing what they're doing why would I bother them um and that was I liked how they kept with Han's you know they kept with who Han is in this episode which I think if you do anything with Han in it you have to make sure 
that he is still Han because that's like such an important character not only just is such an important character because everybody here is an important character but I think his characteristics and his personality is so important far more important than the personality and characteristics of any other character I feel like Um, and getting that right is much more important than anything else in my opinion and so this episode kind of got it spot on and I loved that and you know even just the like oh I don't want to do I don't want to say it fine I'll say it just because you reminded me of my girl like I loved that and it was perfect it was spot on it was so great and even Hera Hera was very much you know on character she was you gotta say it like she's totally messing with him totally you know being just being the complete kind of sass master and uh I don't even, I don't even know how to explain Hera but this this episode very much was her um and that made me just every character felt spot on in this episode and you guys know that that has not happened every episode and so I really appreciated that one with this um it was also super cool to see R2 and Chopper together uh because I know that they definitely are two characters that are two droids that uh, have some similarities that we've seen uh, throughout Rebels and just regular Star Wars and Chopper's kind of the R2 stand-in uh, for Rebels where AP5 is C-3PO um, and so those two together was just it was a cute little thing and I'm sure they have met previously and positive they met previously it seemed like they were bickering a little bit where uh, where they were uh, together but I don't think we've seen them together before and so that was kind of cool to see (laughs) not cool but it was funny to see and it was it was again not one of those things that I knew I needed but as soon as I saw it I'm glad I got to see it and I think that's kind of where this episode was is like I did not know I needed this episode but as soon as I saw it like I could not go on if this wasn't a thing that existed um and it was it's again like I said this is the standout forces of destiny episode for me there's not a ton going on there's no huge story thing going on but there's so much to talk about there's so much to love you know, I think I laughed the hardest at this episode. I've definitely watched this episode the most out of any of the episodes of Forces of Destiny. And this is just the one that I, if I'm going to show somebody Forces of Destiny, I show them this episode. Hands down, 100% of the time. And I think that there, you know, sometimes with episodes, I will get to the end of the podcast. I would be dragging it out and trying to get every like last bit of things to talk about but honestly I feel like with this episode here even I could talk about it I you could pick like every part about about it up and it's not that's not even to say that there is that much going on with this episode but I think that there is just so much that this episode brings to the table that's new that we could uh discuss and talk about and pick apart and it's kind of weird in that sense because there isn't a lot but there's also a ton and maybe nobody knows what I'm talking about I barely even know what I'm talking about um I think that we're done for today I think that even though we could keep talking I think I've gotten 
we've talked about you know the main points of what I want to talk about here and what's important for this episode so thank you for listening and as always you can stay up to date on all the latest in Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com you can also add us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cassie Scutch, that's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in one of two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com, pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to pledge your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack podcast and the Thunderquack group on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back next week with the Habibor Hazard. Mm-hmm.